The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. What does the healing power of physical light have to do with the light experienced during an NDE? Does the phrase, as above, so below, apply as directly as that? And how are healing and love intertwined? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today's guest, Matthew DeBow, is an author and inventor who most recently has moved into medical device design and manufacturing. His first book, Light, Health Benefits, and Medical Applications, describes the healing potential of light. And although he never personally experienced an NDE, last year DeBow released his second book titled Soul Code, Near-Death Experiences, Preconception Memories, Transformative Spiritual Events, Life Between Life Regression, Induced After-Death Communication. In this book, Matt compares a wide range of research studies from science, medicine, psychology, and theology, gathering data about the human soul. The thread that connects these uh, experiences clearly shows a higher dimensional aspect of who we are consistently, no matter what our personal beliefs are, atheist, agnostic, or religious. Matt, welcome to NDE Radio. Thank you for having me, Leah. I appreciate it. Well, this is a, a great little book you've written, Soul Code. But I, um, And one of the things you mentioned there is that you, although you haven't had an NDE yourself, uh, your new book describes some paranormal experiences you had as a child, including a ghost you felt following you and a dream or perhaps a vision of fairies playing in the yard with a dog. Um, and you seem to have had a very early interest in the paranormal, so perhaps you could tell us something about that. Yeah, I at a, at a pretty young age, I had some very interesting experiences, and I, and I was just created a curiosity, uh, an insatiable curiosity to understand the mind and what's going on in the world. And, and at a pretty young age, I started reading reading books about ESP and, and metaphysics and the paranormal. And when, when I came across the NDE, I found that, wow, this is, this is really, really important information. And not only it was spiritually enlightening, but it actually – it gave me a better sense of, of you know, who I was as a spiritual being in this physical body. Mm. And how did you get interested in the healing power of light? Well, I was writing an article for an independent uh, California newspaper, a monthly newspaper, and I uh, asked the editor, I said, well, uh, you know, I really want to do something on, you know, different types of alternative healing. And so I wrote about... Uh, you know, lodestones, magnets, and and RF frequency, you know, inactivating pathogens, and all these different things, and I came across light. And I thought, well, this is interesting. So the more I dug, the more I was uh, perplexed by the power of light. And, and it's so interesting is when you take light and you create, um, you take it down and create a monochromatic signal of light, like we have the full spectrum of light, and when you isolate light into specific wavelengths, it has an amazing dynamic on DNA. It, it hyper-accelerates uh, the healing response. And so that curiosity, um, I kind of followed, chased that, uh, chased that information down to a point where um, now recently I've gotten into the technology. NASA has used it for decades. 
and they've found that it accelerates healing tremendously. Yes, I think you mentioned that perhaps the Russian athletes were using it. Yep, yep. Russian athletes were the first to really start utilizing, and it was a Russian named Tina Carew that actually did the first double-blind studies, and she found uh, in a Petri dish that cells would grow at, uh, um, at, a, at a much faster rate. And it was just, it was just amazing. And now recently, uh, there, it's become more and more mainstream because light, somehow when you create, when you, when it's a monochromatic signal, activates the release of collagen, elastin, ATP, which is an energy carrier between cells, uh, nitric oxide, not nitrous oxide, but nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator. And between mm-hmm. those interactions, it, it speeds up the healing process. I wonder why uh, hospitals and uh, other, um, you know, Western medicine uh, communities aren't using this more than uh, than they are. It is kind of surprising because there are so many FDA's approvals that utilize light, and and the technology I'm talking to you about is called biostimulation, which is just one of several. Uh, there's another one called uh, photodynamic therapy, where they inject a light sensitive drug. The drug goes into the body systemically. They wait about 48 hours. Then they go in with a, with a, and for some reason, um, the fast growing cells like tumors will uptake this light sensitive dye. Then they go in with a very cool laser or a high powered LED and they literally just shoot that light at the, at the tumors, cancer or other types of tumors and it creates a photochemical destruction of that diseased tissue. And what's amazing is it activates these antigens which kind of act like an inoculation and can go in and, and, and eliminate some of that other cancer in the body. It's, it's an amazing technology. There's another technology called blood radiation where the Russians have used monochromatic lasers within the red wavelength and then other people uh, in the West here have used um, ultraviolet light. And what they found is when they run blood uh, in front of the ultraviolet light that it actually inactivates pathogens. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just amazing, uh, some of the technology that is out there. And, you know, hospitals and, and doctors are starting, starting to, you know, get, use it. It's just, you know, it's just a slow adopting process. And, uh, eventually when they see the potential of all these different areas of light, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure it'll kick into gear. I mean, some of the people I interviewed were amazing. When I interviewed, uh, uh Ronald Wyan from the FDA, he said that, he knows at FDA headquarters, you know, at their science, at their laboratories, that, that putting light on somebody's head or heart shortly after a heart attack or stroke will reduce the damage by 50% if you get it on quick enough after the incident. Wow. And another guy um, that I interviewed from New York Institute of Technology said that light has the potential to save billions of dollars on diabetic lesions alone. So it's amazing technology. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you've heard, uh, I'm sure, of many reports from uh, ND years about uh, going into the light and that light and love were uh, almost interchangeable. Do you see any parallels between the spiritual light of an NDE and the physical light that's that's uh, can be so healing? Well, I because of my extensive research in in into the medical field of light and my research into uh, the near death experience and kind of associated spiritual um, transformation transformational events. Yes, I have seen a connection. Now, right off the bat, the con- the first connection I've come across, which I think is very interesting, is is that 
we as human beings have biophotons, and anybody can look this up on Wikipedia. Now, biophoton is actually we emanate light, and this light that we emanate, uh, are um, scientifically is called uh, ultra-weak chemiluminescence is the actual scientific term. And this ultra-weak chemiluminescence signal uh, comes from the from the cells within the cells. Now, the way this works is is that the cells have what are called photoreceptors, and we all know that we absorb vitamin D through the photoreceptor molecule within our cells and our skin. But these photoreceptor molecules are in every cell in the body, and what they found is is that our body emanates this light, and it's a communication. It's part of a communication network within the body that utilizes light. You know, so I kind of like to joke that the hippies were right. Yeah, we are light beings, and now it's being proved scientifically. And this light, when what's what's very interesting about this light is, is that it is very coherent, which means the the actual photons are like a laser, and, and they um, are all going the same direction. And this biophotonic signal that happens within our bodies is more coherent than the best laser on the planet, which is pretty interesting. And what happens is, is when, when our cells are injured, that coherence is lost. It becomes from a laser to like a light bulb where the light goes every direction. So that communication drops. So what happens is by putting light on our tissue through this biostimulation method where you're using either monochromatic red or infrared seem to be, um, the, the most effective, what we're doing is we're getting more energy to the cell. We're circumventing that normal communication process, getting energy to the cell, s- helping the mitochondria. I kind of say it's speeding up cellular metabolism and, and getting that collagen, elastin, ATP, nitric oxide, all moving at a hyper-accelerated rate. And uh, so it's just pretty amazing technology, and that's what I'm involved with. I built mm. uh, a very effective, uh, flexible Flexible light device that's on a flexible circuit that has a, over 150 LEDs, um, and it's quite effective. And we found if we raise people's nitric oxide levels by giving them um, uh, amino acids or beet powder, believe it or not, it creates this vasodilation, and in combination with the light, we're having great success. You know, NO is, is very important to the human body. Uh, Daniel Brinkley, um, in your book Soul Code, you mentioned that he described seeing people during an NDE as uh, points of colored light with a lot of space in between. He almost envisioned the fact that we're like 98% nothing, <laughs> but he could see he could see that the essence of of other people and I guess himself were, were these points of colored light. Um, do, are there colors in, involved in? Um, the technology you're talking about as well? Yeah, it, it seems as if, though, the color, uh, once light is in a monochromatic form where we're taking and we're isolating either red, infrared, even greens and, and yellows, there are, um, it, it just has an amazing dynamic. Now, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of early in the science, but some of the people in the cosmetics industry has found that different colored lights combined or you separately have a have a very significant effect. Now, when you get down to the to the the violet light, it has a kind of a different mechanism where it is it's basically becomes antipathogenic. So it's a different mechanism, but yet uh, violet light also is very biologically active. You just don't want to do 
too much of it at any given time. So we market a violet light basically for uh, acne or bug bites or things that are that are happening on the skin to uh, to inactivate the pathogens on on tissue. Now they're very short waves, so they don't penetrate the tissue very deeply. And then we have red, which is very good for uh, healing things and kind of a, um, on a surface level or down, you know, a centimeter or two. And then we also have infrared, which can actually penetrate all the way to the bone, which is very good at healing tendons and, and broken bones and stuff like that. So, yes, there are different um, different applications for different types of light. You mentioned also in your book, Colton Burpo, and uh, uh, heaven, is, um, heaven is Real, uh, that um, he, he says it doesn't get dark in heaven. It's always bright there. And uh I guess uh, as I was reading your book, I was uh, because of your interest in light. I was looking for these little these little phrases that jumped out at me about um, about the light, and uh, there are also uh, a, a lot of speculation these days about the connection between light and consciousness. Maybe we could talk about that a little bit. Well, yeah, it seems, uh, it seems from the, from everything I've researched and the people I've interviewed, it seems like light could very well be consciousness. I mean, when people have these near-death experiences, they go to this other place, which is just a dimensional shift, basically, because I think that that whole arena is actually exist, coexisting within the space that we're in now, and that, uh, that they, um, uh, the beings out there are light beings, and that's basically what constitutes these these energy fields that are consciousness. So there is definitely a connection between light and consciousness, and I think it's really time that uh, that science and spirituality start to bridge that gap. And and uh, maybe you know maybe it's more than coincidence that my two passions are light and medicine, and and this this metaphysical realm of our spirituality. Because mm. there's always that question: How can we get science involved in in these things that they consider beyond the pale? Uh, you know, near death experience research is always struggling against mainline science, and you know, people don't even want to go there because they're afraid they're going to be uh, discounted as scientists if they do. Well, yeah, but when you start to do events like I think his name was Hagelin, and and they all prayed uh, and projected this thought, and that thought would obviously be made of this of this spiritual light energy, and they and they I think it was like four thousand people prayed over uh, a, you know, and it was in a specific city. Sorry, I don't have more details, but they but the crime rate dropped significantly while these people were praying, so. You know, and I think some of this might be the more that we can visualize light around people we're praying for. So when I when I do projected thought prayer, I actually visualize light around people in a, in a, in a spherical form uh, as my form of prayer. So prayer, but yeah, you're right. There needs to be. I mean, we need to do more research in, in science and spirituality. I mean, HeartMath has done some amazing work, and there's other other organizations that are that are pushing forward. In this in this arena, I mean, when people have a near death experience and can see for the first time, uh, that's amazing. I mean, it, it completely to me that's pretty uh, pretty compelling evidence that the, mm-hmm. that our soul exists and it exists on another plane of existence. But um, yeah, <clears throat> well, that notion of projecting ideas, um, well, 
uh, I just recently watched the DVD of the of the movie Tomorrowland. I don't know if you've ever seen that, mm-hmm. but uh, the the theme is that uh, uh, people are bringing on the end times by embracing the idea of um, the end of the physical world by um, embracing basically despair over over this world. And uh, I noticed in your book there's a quote, Alberto Vialdo, I think his name is, Mm -hmm. um, evolutionary quantum leaps occur when a species is faced with extinction, and now we are at such a threshold. And I thought that was a powerful quote that sort of tied into this theme of Tomorrowland that, you know, it's almost we are what we think we are, our future is going to be. That we're creating our own reality that way. Well, without a doubt. I mean, just look at it from a very basic level. I mean, when we go out to do a business project or you're going to go out and you decide you're going to do NDE radio or whatever we decide to do, we project that thought. And, and it's especially true with entrepreneurs. I mean, you have to visualize what you're, what you're going to do, work towards that objective. And, and somehow the mind is, is powerful and we, what we visualize, we can create. I mean, you know, the world is, is, is kind of an imaginary realm for us to be able to get create creativity and move these ideas and these concepts forward. So if we are constantly uh, indoctrinated or believing that that, that, that is going to occur, whatever that might be, we're going to create it. So I think it's very, very important that we visualize uh, light and love around this world. And, you know, as hard as it is sometimes to visualize love around situations that seem so painful – that's where the love needs to be projected and it needs to be visualized. And, and yes, we need to see, we need to see our success through these, through these hard times. And, and that's one of the reasons which we'll, I guess we'll mention later that I'm, I'm coordinating a symposium at the end of the month because I'm bringing near death experience together with other people to, 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 to move this, what I see is, uh, important truths out to the world. <clears throat> yeah, uh, yes, that's going to take place in Texas, isn't it? Yeah, in Austin, uh, just south of Austin, Texas. Yes, we are um, coordinating an event. We're going to have people speaking about near-death experience, but other transformative uh, spiritual uh, kind of information as well will be coming to the table because I I want in my book, The Soul Code, my my point was to was to string a thread through near-death experience and other you know spiritually transformative events. One of the things that comes out in the book, of course. Which you know has been observed by a lot of people who, who've been studying this area is that our physical lives really represent a small part of reality. That our spiritual that we are spiritual beings experiencing a physical existence, and and the the emphasis is really the spiritual. And yet, clearly, you've mustered a lot of energy toward improving things here and researching things here, and and. Um, Working in the field of physical light, um, is there a contradiction? Is there do you, do you see any kind of conflict between people who are interested in the spirit and people who are interested in saving the world? Um, no, I think it's one and the same uh, to a certain degree because I believe at a deeper level, our soul needs this DNA to to exist in this physical plane for our spiritual growth. So they're, they're actually working hand in hand as far as our physical body and our spiritual body to, to move, uh, to keep moving the evolution of mankind forward. Because if, if, if 
humans don't exist, then the soul is going to have less opportunity to come down here and evolve. So there is a connection between these two points. Is that kind of answering your question? I mean, that's my yeah. personal belief. <clears throat> mm-hmm. No, no, the, I, it does. Um, I wanted to ask you, too, uh, if you could um, tell us what how you define the soul matrix. It's a term you use in your book. Okay, so what 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 I found is while I was doing this research, years of research on in this field, is is that I found that there's certain certain words that kind of started to create a lexicon of sorts, you know, uh, heaven, God, soul, eternity, spirit, um, and these words are used a lot in in different <clears throat> different religions. And sometimes religions have dogmas connected to some of these words. So people, uh, I've noticed when I start to talk about this stuff with people using these terms, the people that might might be spiritual but non-religious, sometimes they kind of step back a little bit and they're like, well, you know, what's going on? And and not that the terms are inaccurately used by religion by any means, but yet uh, it just sometimes associate, you know, they, they associate it to uh, specific um, dogmas and different things. So what I started to do is change some terminologies uh, so i was uh from i was i call heaven the soul matrix in in the book because it seems as if there's a lot of activity going on in heaven and and i kind of scrape across the surface of it in this book but yet it gets a lot deeper and i didn't want to go uh too far out there too far down the rabbit hole with with it but uh it seems like there's whole communities out there in heaven and and that we are interconnected uh, to beings that we've known uh, for a long, long time, and and some of these beings are are relatives of ours, or some of these beings are just spiritual mentors, and and so I um, so I called it I I was calling heaven the soul matrix, and uh, because that's what it seems is is going on out there. There's a huger, huger, much more sophisticated picture of heaven than I think that we recognize down here. But you do subscribe to the notion that we are evolving as a, a small community of relatives and friends, that we keep playing different roles in, uh, in reincarnated lives? In some instances, yes, it seems to point to that to that evidence that uh, for some reason we do. It's almost like you got that really comfortable pair of jeans that you that you like to wear, and it's all. It seems as if our souls, um, uh, our own DNA, uh, over over you know millennia are places that we've been before, and and it's a comfortable place to come back into our own family lives. Now, my book is not doesn't really focus on reincarnation, but that um, that theme uh, is very clear through the information that I have uh, put together. And so it just seems as if we do kind of stay within sometimes in, within those genetic lines and uh, because it's a comfortable place for our soul to, to come back to. Mm. Well, some of the things you cover, and w- one of the reasons I think this this book of yours is so good is because it's not only NDEs or OBEs, but it's also uh, things like uh, preconception memories um, of, 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 of children born who can remember, uh, you know, before they were born, or uh, of time in the womb, what they heard, what they saw, and um, and. Th- and the life between lives is another theme that you touch on. In, in yeah, the- and the preconception memories is, is so surprising. I, I interviewed uh, Neil and Elizabeth Carmen, who'd written a book called The Cosmic Cradle, 
And it was just amazing stories of what people uh, remembered prior to their conception and actually uh, help and, and kind of picking the, the families that they were going to be born through. It, it seems as if uh, it seems as if there is an unconscious uh, um, choice that parents make with these souls before before they're conceived. And sometimes the parents are aware of these conversations and sometimes it comes through dreams and, and messages and uh, uh, it's just amazing. And one of the things that um, through look researching this pre preconception memory is, is that it seems as if souls, well, but right before they dive into life, they, they say, okay, most importantly, I have to remember this place of light and love I come from. This is the most important thing I need to remember. And then as they're jumping in, they're saying, oh, even more importantly, I have to remember to spread this light and love while I'm here. Mm. And that seems to be a memory that I think we all had right before we jumped in because the research tends to point to that. So these preconception memories are 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 mind blowing. The the Carmens talk about a case where this this um, this being was with um, this person was with a being of light, and the being of light was saying, "Well, <clears throat> you can be born in this family. It's a very wealthy family. You'll have a really good life." And the and the being, I mean, these people were like getting close to that point. To you know, they're in the bedroom, and mm-hmm. then the and then the. The being of light says to this person, well, or you can be born into this family. This is a middle class family. You'll have you'll have a good life, but yet you'll you know, you'll have a little couple, you know, more knocks in life and life will be a little tougher and you'll learn you'll you'll learn more as a spiritual being. And then the being of light showed this guy a a, um, a poor family that was actually uh, in the front seat of their car because they were a poor family. And, and there was a baby actually asleep in the back seat, And they're, you know. Getting ready to take care of business, and and they and he says, "No, this is a poor family. You're going to have the hardest life in this family. This is going to be a tougher life, but you're going to learn the most as a spiritual being in this situation." <clears throat> and he, the guy says, "Yeah, yeah, that's where I want to be." So as a kid, he remembers this, and he tries to bring it up with his mom. And his mom doesn't really take him seriously, and she's like, "You know, no, just go out and play with your friends or something." You know, just kind of ignores him. So this memory never left him, and so he's an older older kid and, and I guess he's moved out of home at this point. Oh, and by by the way, he had an older sister that was that baby baby in the back seat. That's why everything kind of like made sense to him. And he mm-hmm. brings this up. He, his parents, he says, look, I, I've had this memory. I, I need to bring it up and talk to you guys about it. So he, he talks about it and uh, says, you know, the car and describes the car parked under a tree, the whole thing. And they're and after the after he tells the story, his mom looks at his dad and she says, "I can't believe you told him." And so it basically confirmed that everything he said was was real. So we <laughs> tend to have a choice of where we come in, and a lot of people, when I bring that stuff up, just in personal conversation, are very resistant to that. And other people get it right away, and they say, "No, you're right. I know. I chose the situation." So you know, it really it really helps us to understand that that we choose our our path and our situations, and and that we need to. Um, you know, in some situations, people have had some pretty tough lives, but they need to recognize that they chose this for some kind of growth. <clears throat> right. Um, I, <coughs> excuse me. Before we run out of time, uh, tell our listeners um, about your symposium. 
Okay, so what I've what I've um, got going is I'm working with Pat Johnson and Edward Salisbury, and they're both near death experiencers, and we are putting together a symposium on April 30th in the Austin, Texas area, where we're going to have people uh, talk about their near death experience. What what I've seen out in the in the community is sometimes these events can be very expensive. So what we want to do is make it very reasonable, reasonably priced. It's like twenty to thirty dollars to come and attend. And the other thing is, and it's that's a a, a full day of lectures and then a social uh, event at the end of the at the end of the day. Where another thing I've been I've been to conventions and it just seems like there's a disconnect between the near death experiencers and uh, and the people. So what 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 we're doing is we're doing two social. We're doing like a long lunch break and then we're doing a di- an after an after event dinner and kind of a social gathering. So people can really get some face to face time with these presenters and researchers and near death experiencers because I really feel it's important to connect with them one on one. And um, and so we are trying to structure something that's a little more social oriented. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, is there a site they can uh, get more information? Uh, yeah, and if they, uh, this is called the Wisdom of the Near Death Experience, and the website is enlighteningarts.com. Enlightening Arts, and that's where they can get more information. And this isn't, you know, this is basically near death experience, but we're we've got people that are going to come and talk about life between life and preconception memory. The Carmens, who I mentioned, will be there, and some other right. people that do that uh, that LBL stuff. Did you, do we have a minute to talk about LBL or? Well, no, I we're really out of time. Um, <laughs> I will. I do want to mention though that your uh, terrific book Soul Code is available on Kindle for ninety nine cents. Isn't that right? Yep, and they can get it um, hard hardcover as well for about uh, fifteen dollars. So mm-hmm. terrific! Oh, thank you, Matt. Uh, thank you, my thanks, Jay. <laughs> my my thanks to Matt Debo for sharing his research into the properties of healing light and and most especially the contents of his new book Soul Code. If if you'd like to listen to this show again or any other of our previous programs, please visit our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about IANS and our upcoming conference in July in Orlando please visit that website at iands.org. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.